uh, this week called Doubt and Faith, and we've been spending the last several weeks uh, exploring doubt and faith and how those two things intersect and asking some of the questions that people have that uh, keep them from being a person of faith. And we want to be the kind of church where you can bring your doubts, you don't have to come perfect with everything all sorted out, and find faith. Uh, If you were here the first week, we talked about how Jesus, uh, when he saw Thomas, who is often referred to as Doubting Thomas, instead of... uh, castigating Thomas Thomas for the fact that he had doubts he said Thomas here's the evidence you put your hands here you put your hands in my side and that we need that evidence as as thinking people as just human beings we sometimes need that so we've been wrestling with that and we're going to close the series out today Um, next week we're going to start a series on grace as we have baptism Sunday grace is if you don't know what this is and you don't haven't been aware of, of what this is this is grace is the secret fuel that allows a person to live a life dedicated to Christ for their entire life and become a better and better person. It's the secret fuel. We're going to talk about that. I think it'll be revolutionary for you as we understand what God's grace means and how it works itself in our life. We'll start that next week. But today we're going to wrap up this series on doubt in a way that you might not think. Uh, Here's what I've found, is that whatever you believe, if you walked in the door and you say, I'm an agnostic or I'm an atheist, or uh, we're first, we're glad you're here. Second, I always, and this is one of the reasons I'm a follower of Jesus, is whatever, whatever way you believe, whatever way you think, you have to think and pay attention to what kind of people does it produce. Uh, if you were to go down Highway 6 uh, towards 65 and turn down 51, like going south, and follow the signs for the hospital, and you drive down there in Hobart past the hospital, you know what the name on the sign of the hospital is on Route 51? You know what it says? St. Mary's, Right? You go to Munster, the Franciscan Hospital, the Methodist Hospital in Gary. You just go across any city in America. The majority of the hospitals come from the people of Jesus who said, we're going to make a difference. Because this is the kind of the people that Jesus routinely produces, people who make a massive difference in the needs of the world. I have, as of yet, not driven down the road and seen the hospital whose name is St. Agnostic Hospital. I have not seen the secular humanist home for unwed mothers. I've not seen it. It has not happened yet. Now, I'm not saying those are bad. If you, that's you, that you're a bad person. I'm not, I'm not trying to communicate that. I'm simply saying you have to pay attention to the kind of people uh, that, uh, that are produced by the system that you believe in, right? And that's one of the reasons I'm a follower of Jesus because, man, again and again and again, world-changing things happen from people who follow Jesus. So we're going uh, to hear from this morning one of my friends, Steve Spear. Steve Spear uh, works for World Vision, one of our partners in mission, about the kind of people that Jesus produces. Uh, Steve uh, is kind of a nut. He's been here a year and a half ago or so. He spoke. And the reason I say he's a nut is because he decided to run from Los Angeles to New York City and raise money for clean drinking water like a bunch of you did yesterday in the Global 6K uh, with, along with 25,000 people around the world. And he raised uh, what, 500 $500,000, something like that. He's going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, but I want, you to, I want you to give him a, a real-life welcome as he comes. But you're going to hear the kind of people that are produced from following Jesus. So let's welcome Steve Spear as he comes to speak there. Uh, well, thank you so much, Scott. <clears throat> and it's really cool to be back here at Real Life. And uh, just give me one second. I'm going to bum our bass player's music stand. He left a pick on it the first time, and I played with it a little bit during my talk, but the pick is gone, but I didn't break it. Um, But anyways, uh, so cool, uh, so grateful for you. Um, Two things right out of the gate. I want to give you a thank you, and I want to give you an invitation, all right? First, a thank you. The thank you is for your partnership 
uh, with World Vision and with Team World Vision. Uh, Real Life is going into its fifth year uh, of a partnership with Team World Vision. For the last four years, a bunch of you have run the Chicago Marathon. You, you've stepped beyond fear, you've stepped out of your comfort zone, and you've run the Chicago Marathon. 250 of you to be on par. 250 of you have run the Chicago Marathon for clean drinking water for kids in Africa. And I just wanted to say thank you. That's amazingly awesome. And not only have you run, but you've raised $230,000. $230,000. Yeah, you guys, that's, um, <clears throat> it's pretty awesome. Now, you've probably heard that with uh, World Vision, $50 is all it takes to bring clean drinking water to one person at last. 50 bucks is all it takes. So when you do the math, 230,000 divided by 50, that's 4,600 kids and family members that have a whole new future because of you at Real Life. So again, I just wanted to say thank you. Way to go. Nice job. You got like 70 runners going after it again this year. Again, we always talk about, you know, Team World Vision is, is like 80% of us are like non-runners. We affectionately call ourselves the back of the packers, you know. We're all shapes, we're all sizes, young adults to retirees. And we're just so grateful that another 70 of you have said yes and you're stepping beyond fear. And like Scott said, in addition to that, I wanted to say thank you. Like over 100 of you were here yesterday and did the global 6K with us. Uh, over 100 of you said yes to walking or running or pushing some strollers, six kilometers. Six kilometers is just under four miles. It's the average distance that women and children walk in the developing world for water. And in most cases, it's contaminated water. But you came in solidarity. Uh, each one of you that ran yesterday had a bib. And I think we have an image of the bib that I actually wore yesterday. I was with you guys. Uh, Cedric was on my bib. And my registration fee of $50 brought clean drinking water to Cedric. All right? And those of you that ran, you brought clean drinking water to the child that was on your bib as well. Super inspiring. And uh, a couple of the folks that ran, like I said, were over 100. Well, one of the ladies who just inspired me, uh, a couple, there was uh, two ladies that walked together, Debbie and Judy. Judy did, the, she was here at the first service. She did the entire 6K with a cane. Like the entire thing. And, and I was like, I, I did the last like two kilometers with her, walked alongside of her. And it just, man, it inspired me so much. And I asked her all kinds of questions, and she was so delightful. But the fact that she said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make a difference in the life of the child. Her name's child, and her bib was Bintu, uh, was his name. And then when we got back, uh, everybody that did the 6K yesterday, not only could they walk or run on behalf of that child to bring them clean water, but they could take the next step of involvement and sponsor that child. And the way that child sponsorship works with World Vision is it's $39 a month, and not only does your money help that child and their family, but when there are children in a community that get sponsored, the sponsorship money gets pooled together, and, and even more clean water comes. And then health care becomes available, and schools get built, and economic development happens when sponsors pool together. And so she sponsored the child on her bib, which was really, really cool. She opened up her family to another person, and it was Bintu, and he came into her family, which is pretty awesome. So... Um, so, big thank you to the Real Life family. Now, here's the invitation. I'll tell you in advance. We're going to give you the opportunity to sponsor a child today. Just like Judy did yesterday, uh, we're going to give you that opportunity. As a matter of fact, on the seat when you came in, many of you have already picked up a packet of a child. And uh, later in the service, I'm going to actually, you know, you, you can look at this. You can look at the packet anytime during my talk. 
Uh, but we're going to give you an opportunity to look at this packet and give you the opportunity to consider opening up your family to a child that you can make a difference uh, in their life. So I just want to let you know that was coming. Now, before all of that, though, I have a confession to make to you. Um, I don't have a tattoo. Um, now, I know a bunch of you like going, I don't care, Steve. You know, the fact that you don't have any ink is no big, you know, no big deal. But I don't have a tattoo. I've got nothing against tattoos. Some of my best friends have ink. My wife has a tattoo on her right shoulder. It's the uh, first, it's one of the verses, not the entire verse, but from the old hymn, In the Garden. Uh, it was my father-in-law's favorite hymn. And when my father-in-law passed away, my wife wanted something to remember him by. So she had a tattoo on her right shoulder. My daughter's got one right here on her ribcage. But um, for, for me, I, I don't know. I just, nothing's ever gripped me enough. I've never really felt, and this kind of sounds kind of weird, but I've never felt like anything's been big enough in my life to warrant having a tattoo. Now, when I made that statement, nothing's been big enough in my life to warrant a tattoo, my good friend and founder of Team World Vision, his name is Michael Chitwood, after I finished running uh, in 2013 from Los Angeles to New York, my buddy Mike Chitwood said, Steve, are you nuts? You should have, like, the perimeter of the United States, like, tattooed on your entire back. Like, you ran 3,081 miles, you crossed 14 states, you went through 10 pairs of ASIC running shoes, you had over 300 different media placements, you got, like, chased by wild dogs, you raised over a half a million dollars for clean drinking water, and kids in Africa, you should have, like, an American flag tattooed on your back. And I was like, I don't know, Chit, what, it just doesn't seem big enough. He's like, you're warped, dude, you're just warped. And, um, but... In recent days, I've been thinking about a tattoo. Not that I'm going to get one. Don't hold me to it. But I've been thinking about if I were to get one, at least that I've got that far in the process, if I were to have or get a tattoo, it would be linked to a promise in Scripture that is formative in my life. It would be linked to Scripture. The Scripture that it would be linked to is in the first chapter of Philippians, verse 6. And it's a very short verse. Uh, it only has 14 words in it. But I tell you what, this passage rocks me and motivates me. And it simply reads this way. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. I love the cadence of this verse and the Apostle Paul as he penned it to the Philippians in the first century. He starts out by saying, he, God, the God of the universe, the one who made the heavens and the earth that placed the stars and the galaxies and the skies, the very God who formed the mountains and created the ocean beds and the very one who's the designer of, of plant life and, 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 and wildlife and your life, that very God who formed you in your mother's womb, the one who knew your name, before the creation of time. He knew, he knew how many hairs are on your head. Or, or in my case, as I'm getting older, the lack thereof. Um, he knows this. He who began a good work in you. And, and he began that good work, but then he continues to carry it on. Much of what he's done, one of the chief things that he does to begin and complete the work is through what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. Right? It's what Jesus Christ did. It's what we celebrated a few weeks ago during Holy Week and then on Good Friday and Easter where Jesus Christ came to this earth, he came to show us who the love of the Father is, to personalize it for us, and then he took upon himself our sins when he died on the cross. He became our substitution so that we could have life in its fullest, both here and in eternity. He did that for us. Christ began a work in us. He's begun that good work in you, and he wants to carry it on to completion. 
And, and I'm of the opinion that God uses people and circumstances to carry on his work, to complete his work in us. Sometimes the circumstances that come our way, we welcome, right? And then sometimes the circumstances that come our way aren't welcomed. But he uses them to complete a work in us. So I, I have another confession to make to you as well. I'm full of confessions this morning. Um, I have way too many track jackets. I know. Um, I, you know. I don't know. Like I've got this one of my weaknesses in life. I've got like a couple dozen or more track jackets. I just like them. I, don't judge me. I just like them. So by, will of, by way of illustration, I'm going to wear and put on a few track jackets this morning. And it's sort of my way of, it's a visible tattoo until I man up to get a real one sometime. Okay. So this first jacket that I'm going to put on for you, uh, and I think you, you might even see a close-up image of the screen of, of the logo that's in the, in the corner of it. Uh, it says Mackinac Island. So um, last uh, June, my wife and I, we celebrated 30 years of marriage. Uh, last June. Thank you. <laughs> She's put up with me for 30 years. And uh, we went to Mackinac Island to celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary. And it was important for me to buy a track jacket, because I always like finding an excuse to buy a track jacket. But it was important for me to find and to have something that would remind me, in sort of a Steve kind of way, of God's movement in our life for the past 30 years. And I've got to tell you that God has completed something in me through 30 years of marriage. I'll also be the first one to say that it hasn't been easy, right? For those of you that are, are married, I will gladly say marriage is one of the greatest joys in life, but it is one of the greatest challenges as well. It's not an easy thing. And my wife and I, we've had lots of high moments, and we've had low moments as well. I'm not, there's been a couple of times in our marriage where we have really literally said, this might be it. I mean, there's been external forces that came in and different things that have happened, and we've just hit, we've had some, we've had some rocky times. We've had elating times as well. But I'm so grateful that God has and continues to complete something in me through our marriage, through what my wife brings into my life. My wife is my best friend. Uh, she is the one who speaks into my life. She helps complete something that God has begun in my life, and I'm grateful, grateful for 30 years of that. One of the greatest gifts that he's given to us, or two of the greatest gifts, I should say, uh, are our children. Uh, this next image is a picture of our family. Uh, this was at my son's wedding uh, last September uh, in Michigan. I had the uh, unbelievable privilege to officiate at my son's wedding. And uh, when that happens, something turns inside of you with a strong gear of gratefulness when you can do that. And we're so grateful for our kids. And uh, they're not perfect kids and we're not perfect parents. But I'm grateful for how God has used my children to complete something in me. Um, just yesterday, uh, my daughter, who's uh, finishing up her last year of college, she's at home, and she, she just invited me to spend some time with her yesterday. My daughter invited me to spend time with her. Something completed in me when she just invited me to do that. Now, uh, before Francis and I had kids, we went to a seminar. This, we're talking like the, the late 80s. Uh, and uh, the seminar was called uh, How to Raise Positive Kids in a Negative World. And the speaker gave 10 things. He said, here are 10 things that you can do to raise positive kids in a negative world. I only remember the first one. I never remembered the other nine. But for like better than, you know, almost 30 years, I remember the first thing the guy said, how to raise positive kids in a negative world. And he said this. He said, here's the deal. 
If your kids know that you, mom and dad, or if you get married, are ruthlessly devoted to one another, there's not enough stupid things you can do to screw them up. That's exactly how he said it. Uh, if they know that you're ruthlessly devoted to one another, there's not enough stupid things you can do to screw them up. And I am living proof of, of a parent who's done a lot of stupid things to screw up my kids. I, I have. We've made some really good parenting decisions. We've made some bad parenting decisions. But our kids have known that mom and dad are ruthlessly devoted to one another. And we get a little saying in our marriage, uh, divorce never, murder maybe. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. Um, and it's, it's, there's been a couple of times where we thought, hey, that one could go down. Uh, but something is completed in me with my wife and my family. And it was very important for me to tell you that before we move, uh, any for, uh, move forward. Okay, this next jacket um, is um, one that happened and came into my life in 2006. And it simply has the word run on it. So in 2006, a buddy of mine ran the Chicago Marathon with Team World Vision. It was the first year that Team World Vision had a group of runners at the Chicago Marathon. There were 90 of them. Fast forward this, next, this year in 2017, those of you that are running with us, you'll be a, a part of 2,000 runners with Team World Vision. Started with 90 in 2006. My, my buddy was one of them. And, and he ran, and the next day he called me and he said, hey, Steve, you need to run next year the Chicago Marathon with me with Team World Vision. And I had a two-letter answer for him, N-O. <laughs> Followed by the phrase, I hate running. And for four months, he pestered me to say yes. And for four months, I told him no. Until one quiet evening in our home, I was all by myself. And I heard this little, you know, whisper, inaudible, nothing out loud, but a whisper from the Holy Spirit that said, hey, Steve, all the time, you're always inviting people to take a step out of the unknown. You're always inviting people to take a step, uh, you know, out of their comfort zone. Why are you so unwilling to train for and run the Chicago Marathon? And I didn't have a good answer. And in that moment, I felt like I was being called. So I called my buddy the next day, and I said, I'm in. And he said, what changed your mind? And I said, I think it was God. Um, I had four goals for my first marathon. Goal number one was to train, uh, to hate running less every time I ran. It was goal number one. Second goal was to train well enough to make it to the starting line. Uh, the third goal was to finish before they closed the course. These were not high goals, you guys. And then the final goal was to raise $1,000 for clean drinking water for kids in Africa. And I completely thought this would be a one and out deal until I found the completing work of God that happened in me as a result of doing that. Some things turned inside of me. God completed something that needed completing as a result of it. For one, I got into really the best physical shape of my life at that point, And it set into motion, how do I continue to stay in the best physical shape just for my family and for the future? How do I do that just to be a healthy to take care of this gift of a body that God gives us. So that was cool. But, but one, and there are lots of things, but one of the things that God completed in me was he allowed me to develop the deepest friendships. And I say that, the deepest friendships of my adult life happened and have happened since running with Team World Vision. This next image, you might know, you might know these two guys. Uh, Michael Chitwood uh, is on the left. Uh, he's the founder of Team World Vision. Uh, the guy on the right is Tim Hookstra. Uh, Tim is a great friend. He's a pastor in the Chicagoland area. He's been running with Team World Vision literally before it began. Uh, these two men are among others who I have formed deep friendships with. Uh, here's another confession for you. I'm all, I'm all got confessions for you this morning. Uh, I'm a loner. I'm a loner type. By nature, 
I am a recluse by nature. I'm kind of a hermit dude. And um, one of the things that I struggle with is independence. I can do things on my own. I don't need anybody. I struggle with this pretty deep. And uh, Team Real Vision has reminded me that I need people. And that God wants me to develop deep and lasting friendships, and I can't go it alone. We're not intended to go it alone. He's completed that in me because of this activity that I never would have thought I would be doing. But he's done that through running, of all things. And I'm very grateful. Uh, this uh, oh, one little thing to kind of point out about this, not only has he brought these friendships in, uh, a year after I began running in 2008, Michael Chitwood, he said, hey, Steve, would you launch Team World Vision in your church? Uh, up, up to that point, Michael Chitwood's vision had been to root Team World Vision in the local church and to have people, ordinary people from a church say yes to running a marathon. And that had been his vision, but he hadn't had any church pastors say yes to launching Team World Vision. So he said, hey, Steve, you ran in 2007. We're now in 2008. Would you launch Team World Vision at your church? And I said, sure, because of God's completing work in me. I said, yes. And I said, what do you, how do I launch? He said, oh, it's really easy. He said it like he'd done it a hundred times. He'd only done it once. <laughs> and he said, you just make a three-minute announcement, show a little video, invite people up to a 10-minute info session, and that's it. And I said, great, Michael, I'll do it, but nobody will come. I literally thought, who comes to church on a Sunday morning having no idea that an invitation is going to come to run a marathon and they're going to say yes? But I did it. I said, hey, guys, I told them we couch to finish line training plan, all shapes, all sizes. 80% of the people that run with us have never run a marathon before. Uh, just come up front. To my amazement, we had about 800 adults in our service that morning. 75 people came up to the info session. And they were all shapes. They were all sizes. They were all ages. And my first thought was liability. Like, this is a problem. Like, and, and I, I literally, I told Michael, I said, hey, how good is this couch to finish line training plan deal anyways? And 50 of the 75 trained for and completed the Chicago Marathon that year and raised $65,000 for clean drinking water in Africa. And the number, the 65,000 was impressive to me. But what was more impressive to me and what was more striking to me was how I saw God complete work in the lives of the people who ran. I saw God do amazing things in people, in community. We literally saw a couple marriages get restored that first year of that church team in 2008. We baptized like four or five people from that initial church team and more, quite a few more in the next years that we did it, much like what you're going to celebrate next week. And uh, um, man, if, you're, if you've not yet made the decision to follow Christ in baptism, I just want to like add in my words, uh, God wants to complete something in you by you taking that step. So I would encourage you, strongly encourage you to uh, partner with God's completing work in you uh, by being baptized uh, here at the Real Life, you know, Real Life family. And uh, God just did that, and I saw that happen in uh, tons of people. So again, saw the completing work of God. Okay, uh, um, one more jacket that I'll, I'll, I'll share with you. This one, uh, you're going to just see the, the image of the back. Uh, of this jacket up here on the side screens and this jacket simply has on its back you can see uh, what it looks like there so uh, uh, fast forward ahead to the fall of 2009 it's November of 2009 you got to remember it's a Friday afternoon okay Friday afternoon in November of 2009 Michael Chitwood founder of Team World Vision he calls me and he said hey Steve I just wanted to say thank you and invite you to something uh, because you've been such a great volunteer and a leader in helping other churches come on with Team World Vision. And I literally thought Michael was going to like take Francis and I out for dinner. 
I thought maybe he was going to send us up to Lake Geneva for like a three-day getaway or something like that. He said, hey, I'd like to invite you to run the 56-mile Comrades Ultra Marathon in South Africa with me next May. And my first words in my mouth were, Michael, you have a lousy way to say thank you to your friends. <laughs> like, and, he, and he says, do you, he, do you want to? I said, no. I said, I don't much like running 26 miles. Why in the world would I want to run 56? And he said, but here's the deal. I got some late entries. I got to know by Monday. I'm going to call you back on Monday. I'm like, dude, I'm out. I can just tell you right now I'm out. I go home. I say, hey, babe, Michael called and wants me to run 56 miles with him in South Africa next May. And she goes, oh, I think you should do it. I'm like going, no, no, you're not helping at all. And then on Monday, Michael calls me. Monday morning, he goes, hey, dude, are you in? And I said, no, I'm not in. And he goes, why? And I said, fear. <laughs> fear like on five levels, Michael. Uh, fear of the run, right? Fear of the training. Oh, by the way, I didn't tell you, part of his sales pitch on that Friday was to say the fundraising goal is $100,000. <laughs> like I told you, this is not helping your sales pitch, guy. Um, a fear of the fundraising, and mainly fear of how it was going to upset my life, how it would disrupt my routine, how it would disrupt my agenda, how it would disrupt what I wanted to do. And God kind of spoke through Michael, because Michael said, other than fear, Steve, what's holding you back? And it was fear. And in that moment, I said, yes, God, I think you're, supposed to, you're asking me to do this. So I had four simple goals for that. Wanted to hate running less every time I ran. Wanted to train well enough to make it to the starting line in Peter Maritzburg, South Africa. I wanted to finish before they closed the course in mandatory 12 hours in Durban and raise $100,000. To my amazement, all four goals were met. But even more so, what God completed in me as a result. He completed a work of perseverance. He completed a work of steadfastness. He completed a work of character that needed to happen in the life of Steve Spear because of that training process. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for Michael uh, to have asked me to do that. And then, as some of you might know my story, six months after that, in November of 2010, I was on an innocent seven-mile run near my in-law's home in Ohio. And at mile three of that run, I heard a little whisper from the Holy Spirit that said, Steve, you're to run across the United States for the good of others. I honestly thought it was a bad taco from the night before. You know, I thought, <laughs> that is just, that is weird, completely weird. And uh, for reasons primarily associated with fear, I ran from that vision for the next 14 months. Don't know if you've ever tried keeping a beach ball under the surface of the water, but for the next 14 months, I would take that whisper from God and I would push it down. And then it would pop back up again, and I'd push it down, and it would pop back up again. Until finally I came to the point of surrender. Um, in April of 2012, almost five years ago to the day, when I said, God, I, I know you're calling me to devote myself more to running and how running changes lives. And if the expression of that is a run from L.A. to New York, filled with more unknowns than I can count, then I'm in. I don't get it, but I'm in. And I had to trust God that he wanted to complete something in me as a result of that calling. So my wife and I all did what all sane people do. I resigned my job of 16 years at a church. My wife sold her business that she'd been building for 10 years. We got rid of our home. And I trained for, for what fewer than 300 people have done successfully in American history. And why? Because I felt like God was calling me to do something that would complete his work. And one of the most critical things that happened in that journey was another invitation from Michael Chitwood. Michael said, hey, Steve, before you do the U.S. run, you need to go to Africa with me, and you need to meet your World Vision sponsored child. And I was like, 
I really was grateful for the invitation, but I thought, man, dude, I got a lot of training to do. I got a lot of fundraising to do. I'll be fine. I, you know, the independent side of me said, I can do it without that trip. And so God spoke to me and he said, you need to go. You need to be less independent and be more dependent. And so I said, Chitwood, I'll go. And uh, I met for the first time on that trip our World Vision sponsored child, and her name is Winnie. And um, you're going to see an image pop up here of Winnie. And uh, I don't have a track jacket to tell you about the Winnie story. Uh, I only have this T-shirt that I'm wearing. Uh, call me weird, but this was the T-shirt that I had on that day when I met Winnie. And um, it's meant a lot to me to keep a hold of this T-shirt. And it's a, it's a tangible reminder of a day that I met a child where God completed something in me that needed to be completed. And it was on this day, that this first time that I met Winnie, I went to her little humble hut, and we got there early in the morning. Her family, her mom and her, had not yet gone on their water walk for the day. And so I accompanied them. And we went, and it was a mile out to their water source, and then a mile back. And we carried this container. And we got there with this, and it was empty when we walked. And we got to this pool of water that you can see in the background of this photo. And we got to this pool of water, I was like going, oh my goodness, I could tell right away this thing was contaminated. It was dirty, it was filthy. Half the kids in the developing world will die before the age of five because of lack of access to clean drinking water. The water in that pond would kill half the kids under the age of five in Winnie's village. And uh, I, could see, I asked Josephina, Winnie's mom, I said, hey Josephina, where do you wash your clothes? I mean, they don't have much. I said, where do you guys wash your clothes? She said, oh, right here in this pool of water. Um, and I said, where do you guys bathe? And they said, oh, right here. And in the same pool of water, I saw livestock drinking around the perimeter and relieving themselves. And then we took this container and we dipped it in the water, filled it. This thing weighs 50 pounds. It's full, by the way. That's why I'm struggling. <laughs> we dipped it in the water and then I carried this thing back to Winnie's hut. A mile, 50 pounds. And something broke in me. I just thought, this is completely ludicrous. This is nuts. This is a reality of 663 million people on the planet. This is a reality for our sponsored child, Winnie. And it, I broke, and, I, and a thought formed in my head. If I can run a few miles to take away a few miles from Winnie and thousands of girls like her, then I'm in. And beyond that, if I can continue and we continue by God's grace to just continue our sponsorship of Winnie and sponsor other children... God, if, if, if this is what you're calling me to do, then I'm in. Why? Because you complete something in me as a result of it. And so uh, today is a very special day, you guys. This is a very special weekend uh, for World Vision. Uh, we're calling this Global Sponsorship Sunday. Yesterday we had 25,000 people around the globe uh, in 800 different host sites run the Global Six Day. Today we're giving uh, a bunch of different congregations the opportunity to sponsor a child. Whether you ran a 6K or not, doesn't make any difference. We want to give you the opportunity today to sponsor a child, to have something complete in you, for you to open your family, to consider, say, all right, God, it, would it be your will that we would open our family to you and allow one child to maybe come into our family? So to further kind of illustrate this a little bit, I'd love for you to watch this uh, short video clip. When I first saw her name, it was on her World Vision sponsorship folder, Beverly. I kept reading and found out that she was 12 years old. I learned she'd known true need for years. 
traveling far for water, putting herself in danger, and keeping her from school. I could have passed her name, forgotten about her, but something took a hold of me. Over the last year, that name, Beverly, has come to mean so much. I've learned that she's an amazing poet. She loves math and science, and she's becoming a leader in her school. Even better, my donation of $39 a month to World Vision is already hard at work bringing clean water to Bev and her community, allowing even more children to go to school. I'm also helping with things like basic health care, nutritious food, and protection from exploitation. Bev is now family, and it all started with a name. Which name will be the beginning of something beautiful in your life? Today, people like you are in churches around the world watching the same video. What if, together, we made today one of global action? What if you sponsored Rosemary and the person behind you sponsored Chansa? What if your whole role, your whole service, sponsored a child? Imagine this across every church. What will be the name you pray for? Whose face will you put on your fridge? Which child will you write letters to with your family? Join us in this movement to show the love of God to children around the world. Sponsor a child today. I've always believed that if people could understand uh, the impact of sponsoring a child and the difference it can make in the life of a child and the life of you as a sponsor, there would be no way somebody wouldn't sponsor a child. Uh, you know, when, when you have the opportunity to just see the things that we, I've talked about for, for hope and life and, and, and again, when resources get pooled together in a community, that world vision that we're working in with churches and community leaders, now schools and healthcare and economic development. And uh, I've always felt like, oh, I, I love the fact that sponsoring a child makes it personal for me. And so today, uh, near your seat, or maybe even the seat that you sat on, this is the time you could go ahead and pull this out. I just want to invite you to pull out this folder, give everybody a minute, or you know, a minute, give you a second to pull this out. And um, just look at your, your child's name that's on your folder, and just take three seconds and whisper to the person next to you, or say to the, your, your child's first name. Just go ahead and do that. Just yeah. And uh, then you can see, uh, like, I have Carolyn on, on my folder. She's nine years old. She lives in Zambia. Her birthday is on May 9th, um, which is like, not today, <laughs> but it's pretty darn close, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, then you can flip it open, and you can see uh, Carolyn. She likes to play with dolls, uh, talks about her favorite uh, part of school is mathematics. Uh, you can see just a little bit of a snapshot of, the, of this child. But I want to just say to you, this is, uh, sometimes you... You know, you might hear things and see things and you go, all right, how real is this? Uh, I can tell you that this is a real child that you're holding uh, with real hopes and real dreams. And uh, you could, again, if God is moving in your heart, you could have the opportunity to welcome this child into your family. And you may even sponsor a child already. If you do, uh, is there room for another child? I've got a friend of mine who sponsors 30 children. And I mean, I know some of you are already doing the math, 30 times 39, you're going, wow. Uh, and I kind of say, well, he's, you know, he's kind of nutty, but in a cool way, nutty. Uh, but again, uh, I just want to encourage you. And so what's going to happen in the next uh, moment is uh, Tim's going to come. He's just going to play a song. While the song is playing, I want to invite you to do two things. One, I want you to reflect on God's completing work in your life. 
Uh, maybe you just need to offer a prayer of gratefulness and thankfulness to God, where you say, thank you, God, for your completing work. Maybe mention some people by name who God has used in your life to complete his work in you. Just take a moment to thank God, a moment of gratitude. Then I'd love for you to take a moment and say, God, my hands are open before you with this child. Are you leading me? Are you calling me past fear or whatever it might be to say yes to this child, to welcome them into my home? And, and again, if the answer is no to that, I trust the Holy Spirit and there's no shame or guilt. You don't need to do this. I just, I again, intentionally to have you open your hands before the Lord. And if, and if you're going, yeah, I think I love to respond to this child. It's really simple what you do. All you do is you, there's this one tear-off portion. You just tear this off. Uh, you just fill this out. You can even begin filling this out uh, during the reflection time. Uh, I'll be at a sponsorship table afterwards. And, and again, if you're sitting here and you're filling this out, uh, bring it on out. If you're kind of making a decision late in the game, after the service, I'll still be out there. You can fill it out out there. For some of you that ran the 6K yesterday, you're kind of going, oh, man, I would have loved to sponsor the child on, on my bib, but I didn't. You can still do that. Uh, all, all, I have another uh, form that you can fill out. Just come out to the sponsorship table. Uh, you just fill this out, and we will connect you back with your child, and you can sponsor the child that was on your bib. And then the one gift that we want to give you, again, it's not a big deal, but we want to give you a water bottle just as a small way of saying thank you. And it has a verse on it from Matthew 25. Uh, some of us know this passage. For when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And then on the back of the water bottle, it has the fuller version of that passage from Matthew 25. And one of the things that God has used to complete his work in me is how I care or I don't care for the poor. And I suspect that's going to be true for you as well as a person that's following to learn more in, in the ways of Jesus. And again, this is just a great reminder to have, to say, God, thank you, I'm not, I don't get it perfect, but I'm trying uh, to see your work completed in me, so we'd love to uh, pass one of these on as well. So as Tim plays, reflect and then consider uh, if God would have you open your home to a life of a child today. Trust you to keep me. I'm in wherever this goes, whatever it takes. Lord, where you lead me, I'm in. Wherever you need me, loosen my hands. Trust you. face with
Hey, on the, uh, on the screen behind me is a picture uh, I have on our fridge. This is a sponsored child that Andrea and I uh, sponsor, Sentu. Sentu lives in Kenya. Uh, Andrea and I have sponsored a child through World Vision for about 20 years. And uh, for the majority of the time, we've been married. And uh, we've had a couple of kids. World Vision, when they go into a community, already has a plan to pass on the ability to sustain what they do to the, the people who live in that community. And so some of those kids have uh, gone through that whole thing. And, and we just, a, a couple years ago, started sponsoring Sentu. And that right next to him right there is uh, they, Sentu writes us, and we write him, and we pray for Sentu at dinner. And, uh, th- I can't tell you the number of days that I'll come in um, from outside, and I turn the corner, and maybe the day hasn't gone the way I wanted, and then I see Sentu's picture on the fridge, and I go, oh, wait, 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 wait. A, I don't have any problems. B, what, a, what an incredible thing that we get to make a difference in this little kid's life. Um, we, don't, we don't do things by guilt and shame here, so if you don't want to do this or don't feel like this is for you, that's totally fine. Just please leave that on the seat and we'll pick that up. But here's, here's what $39 is. $39, if you have a family, $39 is a meal out. Could you think about giving up a meal out a, a month and giving that to a kid who will, will make a life, I mean, I've been to these villages, make a lifetime difference. Just consider it. If you say, man, this, is, this was a setup. Yeah, absolutely it was. <laughs> I have no problem setting up the things that are on God's heart. None. Uh, and maybe you're a little jaded, and I don't mean this offensively. I'll pray for your jadedness. That you could, in your own heart, feel the things that are on the heart of God. Um, but I would, man, I echo everything Steve said. Understanding God's heart for the global poor will complete something in you. It will do something in you. So I would encourage you, if you have questions, to take this out to the table. Steve will be out at the table out in the lobby. And you can do that together uh, with your church family. I want to invite you to stand. We always leave you with a benediction, a blessing, a good word over your life as you go. And you'll see people around you holding out their hands. That's their way of receiving that. If you're comfortable with that, great. If you're not, that's okay. You can just hear the words and, and receive them into your heart. But would you, may you know the love of God for the entire world, uh, especially for the global poor. And you know that you're called now to, uh, and you're sent to love God in return and to love people and to serve the world in his name. Hug somebody, tell them you love them. See you.